What's up, you guys? Welcome back to Menu TV Reviews. I am your host, Mo, and today we will be doing part one of what was supposed to be part two <laughs> for the week, but this is actually part two because I put the first one out earlier than this one. Anyway, part two of Spooky Wing Spectacular for the week, you guys. So today we will be going over one of my favorite horror movies of all times, Scream. Yes, this is one of my favorite slashers that kind of started it all, right? So without further ado, let's get into it. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, fantabulous day, all right? <laughs> all right, now we can get into it. All right, so the movie starts off with a young Drew Barrymore, better known as Casey, in this movie, right? So Casey's answering the phone, and she's trying to help this deep voicemail on the other end try to figure out just exactly who he was calling. Oh, well, must have been a wrong number. So she hangs up. But just as soon as she hangs up, he calls right back to apologize for calling the wrong number the first time. But he just wants to talk to her a little more. And she shuts it down and is just like, hey, they got 1-800 numbers for that. And so she hangs up on him again, right? It's nighttime. She's in a pretty rural area. She's by herself. You know, the normal creepy things, right? And so she just put some popcorn on the stove when wrong number got called back, wanting to exchange names. Well, again, she politely declines him, but tells him, hey, she's making some popcorn, finna getting ready to watch a scary movie. What's your favorite scary movie? Y'all, I swear this would be so much more legit if I actually had the voice, <laughs> the voice disguiser thing, right? <laughs> charge it to my head and not my pockets y'all because your girl is broke <laughs> so y'all gonna have to get this this corny impersonation all right so he asked her what her, her favorite scary movie is and she tells him halloween you know the one with the guy in a white mask stalking the babysitter and he ends up asking her does she have a boyfriend and she's like well why do you want to know and he's like because i just want to know who i'm looking at uh-uh, y'all. <laughs> did y'all antennas go up? Because her sure did, okay? Because at that moment, she starts instantly turning on all of the lights to check and see if she can see anybody outside. So she looks over the eerily foggy backyard, right? But she sees nobody, and she locks the door. So her popcorn is done, but she doesn't have time to check in on it because wrong number guy keeps calling. I mean, can we not answer the phone can we not just leave the phone off the hook can we just like i don't know <laughs> just don't answer the phone for him okay <laughs> and so he calls back and he's just like i told you not to hang up on me but she hangs up on him again y'all and so this time when he calls back she tries to start telling him off but before she could even get a word in He's just like, listen here, you little bitch. If you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Understand? I think she got the memo, y'all. So she's just like, is this some kind of joke? And he's just like, no, more like a game. And so she's threatening to call the police. But again, she's in the middle of nowhere. So they're going to be too late coming to her rescue anyway. So you just like a fish out of water at this point, okay? 
And so she's just like, what do you want? And so this man holler out to see what your insides look like. Oh, damn. (laughs) Y'all, she in trouble. (laughs) She in trouble, y'all. And so he starts playing on her doorbell and calling her and taunting her. And she's just like, had enough at this point. And so she threatens to call her boyfriend. He's big and he plays football and he's going to kick the shit out of you. Y'all, if only she knew before she had made that statement. Poor Steve is already roped into this scenario, okay? So he tells her to go turn the back light on again. She goes to do it. And she sees her scary football player that's going to kick the shit out of nobody at this point because he's tied up to a damn chair on her back patio, right? That she just checked a few minutes ago, might I add. So how did he get out there that quick? Like, is somebody just hella strong? Did somebody just hulk this thing and just, like, chuck him over there? (laughs) Or do we have two people, okay? So she goes to go unlock the door to try to save him, right? Come to his rescue. But she's quickly advised against doing that. And she closes the door back because creepy caller is just like, I wouldn't do that if I was you because you don't know where I'm at. And I don't think I would do that either. Y'all, I would be the shittiest girlfriend because I I wouldn't come outside. I'll just call the police (laughs) and pray that they make it there before anything happens to you, okay? I'm sorry, I love you, but I love myself more. (laughs) Besides, we just in high school, this puppy love. (laughs) I ain't shit, (laughs) y'all. And so Casey is just like, why are you doing this? And he was like, I want to play a game. So here are the rules. You either have to play the game or he dies right now. And so she turns the light off. And as soon as she turned the light off, he does what any anybody would do. And he's just like, no, Casey, Casey. Of course, his voice is muffled because he's got tape over his mouth. But that's what he's yelling. We can, we can understand that. That's what he's yelling. And so... The game that they're going to play involves some movie trivia. This is right up her alley, so she should be just fine, right? We'll see. Question one. Name the killer in Halloween. This is her warm-up question, y'all. And so she answers correctly with Michael Myers. Yes, yes, yes. That's correct. Now, it's time for the real question. Name the killer in Friday the 13th. Jason! It's Jason! Oh, no. I'm sorry, but that's the wrong answer. She yells, no, it's not! No, it's not! Yes, it is, because if you actually knew your movie trivia, then you would know that Mrs. Voorhees was the killer in the original Friday the 13th, not Jason. So, y'all, just because she got the answer wrong, Steve is eliminated... He didn't even get the chance to play. (laughs) That's shitty. (laughs) He didn't even get the chance to play to defend his own life. So as I said, he's out of the game. And so when she turns the light back on, because we hear him screaming before she turns the light on. So when she turns it back on, we see that his insides are now on the outside, okay? And they're falling into his lap. So 
he done transitioned to the upper room. But lucky her, okay? She's made it to the bonus round. And the final question is, which door am I at? Y'all, would y'all have answered that question? I told y'all I would have called 911 a long time ago. When he started playing on my phone like that, I would have called. I would have called right then. What do you think he playing these games? So she doesn't answer. She doesn't answer the question. And as a result, the back door gets smashed in by a chair. So now she's running and she goes to get a knife. Smart girl. So she runs to get a knife. And at this point, the popcorn has started like a little mini fire on her stove. And so she sees him running in the hall in her house, right? And so she slips out the side door. So her parents are on their way down the driveway and she can see them or we can see them at least. Hopefully she can see them too. And so she goes to make a run for it, but he actually catches up with her and stabs her. But she manages to clock him in the face with the phone, right? And so she gets, she runs away. She gets away for a second. So then her parents are on their way in the house while Casey is fighting for her life, y'all. Yards away from them. And when I say yards, I mean yards. So she still got the phone in her hand and she manages to make it to the porch. And when I tell y'all, like, the point of view that they shot that scene from when she's crawling up on the porch and she sees her parents walking up on the porch... But she's got one like those little wraparounds or whatever. And so she's calling up the side of the porch and they're going in the front door. Y'all, when they showed the point of view that we saw that from and we can see her, but they can't. Oh my God, y'all, it's so heartbreaking. That is so heartbreaking. And she was She was so close. So close. And so she tries to call for a mom, but it just comes out as a mere whisper. And unfortunately, Casey's luck has ran out because Ghostface finally catches up with her again and he stabs her on the side of her house. And so her parents enter the room, well, into her house, and they see that the fire has broken out. And so they immediately go to try to find the phone. And the smoke detectors are blaring and they're frantically searching for her because they can't find her. They, you know, they're hoping she's okay, that nothing's happened to her. And like I said, they go to pick, pick up the phone. And when they do, they hear her on the other line, right, y'all? You know how like way back when, before everybody had cell phones, you had to have a landline phone and you had to, for most of us anyway, share the same line right so if one of us was on the phone and one of us somebody else tried to get on the phone in the house you could hear that person's whole conversation that's how a lot of people got caught cheating way back in the day <laughs> because the person they significant other they was on the phone trying to creep and they got caught up on the phone so that's just to give you an idea of how the landline part works so she goes to call 911 and she hears Casey's last moments and last breaths over the phone. And she's just like, Casey, baby. And like I said, it's so heartbreaking. And so she, dad is standing right next to her and he's just like, no, let's, let's, you know, get up, run to the neighbor's house, tell them to call 911 and we'll figure this thing out. We'll find her. 
So y'all, she gets up to go do what he says, right? Because he's just trying to keep it all together for her. And she goes to step out the door and she lets out one of the most agonizing screams I've ever heard. Like I know it's fake, but whoever did that in real life as the voiceover part, I know their throat had to be hurting for at least a whole month after that. So she lets out the most agonizing scream as she looks at Casey's dead body swinging from the tree. And I thought it was a rope initially, but it turns out it's her intestines. She's hanging by her intestines from a tree, you guys. Like what the actual F, all right? Whoever killed her is sick. So Casey and Steve are gone, but we see a young Nev, right? Nev Campbell, and she's played as Sydney. She's playing as Sydney in this movie, and we see Sydney sitting at the computer, and she hears a noise right outside her window. So she goes to go investigate, and she's scared by her boyfriend, Billy. And Billy is being played by young, fine, skeet Ulrich. Y'all, he is so fine. <laughs> like, he fine. <laughs> And so she's scared. So she makes like a, you know, real quick. And her dad got some supersonic ears, honey, because he heard it and he just wanted to see what's going on. But by the time he gets to her and he gets the double doorknob trick undone, Billy is nowhere to be found. So when I say the double doorknob trick, you know, well, not all houses are made the same, but in this particular instance, there is the way that her room is set up. You've got her door room, like going into her bedroom and then her actual closet door. She put them both together so that the doorknobs would kind of bump into one another. And so it takes a second to unjam it. Or if you try to come in from the outside, coming into her room, you can't get in because the closet door is open. So once all of that is undone, he looks around the room. Nobody is in sight besides Sydney, right? So he tells her, hey, don't forget, I'm staying at this. Uh, I'm going to be at the expo all weekend. Here's where the money is. Here's where I'll be staying. Here's the telephone number you can reach me at. The whole rundown, right? And so she's like, okay, dad, I love you. And he's like, are you sure you're okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, kisses him goodnight. And then he leaves, right? So then as soon as he leaves, here comes uh, Billy playing with some bear, you know, just goofing around. And so she's just like, Billy, what are you doing here? And he tells her that he was at home watching a movie and it made him think of her and their relationship and all of the, you know, all of the many movie ratings that their relationship has been through, you know, PG, Y7, whatever, PG-13, rated R, uh, rated M, triple X, you know, all of those, right? <laughs> that they've been together and so apparently they've been together for two years and so he's just reminiscing right reminiscing on all the good times and so he compares their relationship to like an edited version of the exorcist and so when y'all think of the exorcist what do you think of because when i think of the exorcist i think of um demonic kids well one demonic kid um spinning heads <laughs> vomiting <laughs> All of those things. I don't think of a loving relationship, right? So I just thought that was a weird comparison. But apparently he's a movie buff. So we gonna let him have all of that, right? 
And so he's just like, hey, can we do some on top of the clothes? Hanky panky tonight. And so she's like, okay, whatever, you know. And so he goes for her panty line and she gently slides his hand back down. Not tonight, stud bucket, all right? But here's a little PG-13 action for you just to satisfy you for the night. And so she ends up flashing him, y'all, all right? So young Sydney remains a virgin, at least for tonight. So it's the next day at school and the school is swarming, swarming with reporters, all right? They're trying to cover this, the murders of Casey and Steve and Sydney is trying to get all the deets from her best friend Tatum, who's played by Rose McGowan. So the police have no idea at, the po- at this point who the culprit could be, but it's worse than. And we don't know what than is, but apparently it's very bad, right? So everyone is getting questioned by the police and now it's Sydney's turn. And so she's greeted by the principal um, who is Principal Hembry, who is played by, um, y'all, shoot, what's his name? Henry Winkler. The Fonz from Happy Days. I think that's his name on Happy Days. Anyway, Henry Winkler. Y'all know who I'm talking about. And Dewey. <clears throat> Excuse me. Deputy Riley, all right? Put some respect on his name, who's played by David Arquette. And so they proceed to question her. So the crew... After all of them are done being questioned, the crew is hanging out and they're discussing their interrogations. And then we meet Stu, who's played by Matthew Lillard, and Randy, who is played by Jamie Kennedy. So they start talking about who they think the killer could possibly be. And then they mention a few different movies and a few different motives about whoever's behind this, right? So Randy mentions that Stu actually dated Casey very briefly, right? It was so brief, in fact, that she dumped him for Steve. Y'all, is that motive enough to kill somebody? I don't know. We'll see. But Tatum was like, "Uh uh-uh, not my man, because he was here with me last night all night, okay? So there's no way it could have been him, all right? So they start making all of these killer puns, well, Stu and Randy. And Sid has had enough at this point. She's upset, and so she ends up leaving. So... Stupid move for Stu and Randy. So we see Sydney and it's the next shot and we see her getting off the bus. And y'all, she's got a really nice house. Like I know they all live in like this rural area, but she's got a really nice house. And so then we catch Sid and she's talking to Tatum, just trying to make sure that she can still come over for the weekend because her dad's out of town. And so she tells Tatum tells her that she'll be there by seven to pick her up right so Cindy gets all of her stuff packed and now she's ready to go and so she still got a while till seven o'clock so she just sits down to look at what's on tv while she waits for Tatum so she's flipping through the channels and she lands on Gail Weathers who is actually being played by Courtney Cox and she's covering Steve and Casey's story and she mentions Sydney's mom who was Maureen part Prescott, who was actually murdered around the same time a year ago. So she quickly hurries up and turns that off, right? And she decides to take a nap. So she must have taken a really long nap because by the time she woke up, it was like 8.15. And the phone starts ringing at his Tatum. And she's just like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm on the way. I'm so sorry that I'm late. And so she's just like, whatever, Tatum, hurry up and get here. So as soon as she gets off the phone with Tatum, her phone rings again, and she initially thinks that it's Randy, but it's actually Ghostface calling. And so they start chatting about what her favorite scary movie is, but 
she tells them that she doesn't like watching that stuff not because it's scary but because it's all the same it, you've always got this crazy killer stalking some big boo bimbo that can't act and instead of her running out the front door she chooses to run up the steps it's insulting it's embarrassing all right not only that, but way back when, you know, us as women, we were the victims and we always had like the shower scenes and we're always giving it up in the movies and we all know that the killer saves the virgins, right? <laughs> at least that's supposed to be one of the cardinal rules. Don't give it up and your life gets spared. So he ends up confessing to her that he's actually not Randy and he tells her that he's at her front door. So she goes to call his bluff and she steps outside the front door and it's just like, okay, if you can see me, what am I doing? Hey, do you see me? What am I doing? Can you see me? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and so at that point in time, she's playing with the man, like digging in her nose, right? And so there's silence on the other end of the phone. Nothing. And so she, she starts and it's just like, yeah, Tatum, tell hey randy you know like tell Tatum to hurry up and so he's just like if you hang up on me again you'll die just like your mother and so obviously this rattles her right so she steps back in the house and so as she goes to close the door ghostface hops out of the damn closet and tries to stab her y'all but he misses and he hits the door instead so now ironically she has to run up the stairs just like the movies that she said she hated, right? But she's a fighter, so she's obviously, obviously going to get past his part. So he gives Chase up the stairs, and so she does the double door knob trick that I was telling y'all about. And so while he's trying to get in the door, she's using her computer to call the police. But the line is busy. Uh, Well... She tries the phone first, but the line is busy. So then she uses the computer to call the police. So I didn't know that you could do that way back when. That's pretty cool. Okay, so as the operator is trying to communicate with her on the computer, she actually looks up and Ghostface is gone. It's completely silent, right? And so just then, Billy like comes through her window. Why is her window up? Why? Did she forget to let it down? Like, what the hell? You finna get ready to leave anyway. Why is your window up? Anybody can get in your window. So he comes to the window. And he's trying to console her, right? But as he goes to console her, this phone drops out of his pocket. <clears throat> excuse me. And it hits the floor. So she looks at it. And she looks at him. And two and two is making four y'all so she runs out of the room and he's trying to explain himself so she runs downstairs and she goes to open up the front door y'all when she sees damn it dewey with this ghost face mask up to the door like you think i'm honestly gonna answer the front door if i see this ghost face mask right here like the f dewey <laughs> And so when she opens up the door, she sees the mask. She screams. He screams. We all scream, but not for ice cream. And they're just all terrified at this point. So they get the scene contained. And they put Billy under arrest. And Sydney's sitting in the, in the squad car. And he's just like, Sydney, 
I didn't do this, Sydney. Come on, Sid. You know me, Sid. I couldn't do this. Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> that is an awful impersonation, y'all. <laughs> but that's how he drags out her name. <laughs> all right? So you get the idea. And so Billy is just like, hey, you can call my dad, all right? <clears throat> He'll tell you that I have nothing to do with this. And so... Before we go any further, let me remind y'all that Dewey is supposed to be like this lovable Barney Five type of guy. Alright, so that's his character. And he's being played by, I think I told y'all already, David Arquette. So, they arrest Billy and y'all Tatum finally pops up when shit is, is getting real. Alright, 30 million hours later after she was supposed to be there, she finally shows up. Y'all, when I tell y'all, me and my best friend would have been fighting because I almost lost my life because you were late, late, late. <laughs> like, I know I be late sometimes or whatever, but I ain't never like hours late. We would have been fighting if I, I would have haunted her for the rest of my life if I would have died. Like, that just would have been it. All right. So, Tatum comes and they finally get out of there and so he's just like you know you can't be here tatum and she's like why not like i'm coming to pick up sid well does mom you know does mom know that she's staying and she's like yeah doofus she's having this conversation with billy <laughs> and so she's like yeah doofus he don't get no type of respect y'all and so gail weathers actually comes and she tries to get some info out of tatum but tatum shut up shut her down real quick and so, Gail was the old school TMZ, all right? She's on the scene at all times, all right? She's always getting top story, all right? So, she doesn't get any info out of Tatum at that particular time. And so, she turns to her cameraman, Kenny, and she's like, look, Kenny, I know you're about 50 pounds over, but when I tell you to move, that means move your ass right now. <laughs> She ain't gonna play no games with Kenny, alright? She here to make top news. She ain't trying to catch up to the, you know, the news like the rest of these anchors, alright? So, back at the police station, Sydney is getting questioned. And they're asking her about her dad's whereabouts. So, she shares all the information that he had told her the night before. And so, when they go to look it up, they can't verify that he ever checked in anywhere. Where is he, y'all? So... In the meantime, until they find them, they'll just keep their ear low to the ground. So, also at the station, Billy is being questioned by the sheriff, but Billy is now with his dad being questioned. I don't know if his dad is a lawyer or if he's just there, you know, as his parent, right, as a legal guardian. So, sheriff is just like, hey, you know, tell me where you were. And he asked him, he asked, he also asked him about the phone situation and the fact that he went over to see his house the previous night. Well, dad didn't know nothing about him going over the, the night before, all right? And so Billy quickly explains this away like, it's no big deal, all right? Yeah, I went over there just to, you know, talk to her, trying to kiss on her a little bit, you know, trying to fuck on her a little bit, but she, she didn't give up nothing. He didn't say that, y'all. I'm just playing. So, but he did explain it away. And so the sheriff was like, well, did you stop by Casey's house while you were out? 
Was that you? And so he was like, no, I ain't killing nobody. I don't know nothing about that. And so I'm not sure if they believe him or not, but either way, they're going to hold him just in case something did actually go down and his phone records come back dirty. All right, so until they get the results from that, he's locked up. They won't let him out. They won't let him out. He locked up. Y'all know the rest. <laughs> so Billy got to stay in there until they get the results from his phone records. So they're taking him back to the holding cell. And again, he has to pass Sydney's direction. <clears throat> and so when he passes her, he's just like, come on, Sid. Like, you know I didn't do this, Sydney. 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 You know, just putting on the whole show, honey. And obviously, Sydney is hella conflicted. But her intuition is telling her that something is wrong. So always stick with your gut. All right. So they're trying to get Sydney out of there because this whole thing has been super traumatic to her, obviously. Um, and so Tatum is just like, hey, like, can we leave? And so as she's trying to see if they can leave, we see Gail Weathers trying to get the top story. And so she's coming up to the front where everybody else is. And so she's just like, hey, I thought there was like a, a back door or a side door or something. And so she's going to go try to find this other door. So before they leave out, Tatum embarrasses the hell out of Dewey um, just by calling him Dewey. And he's just like, what did mom tell you when I have this badge on? I'm Deputy Riley. You know, put some respect on my name. And so she's just like, whatever, we're leaving. So they leave and they go out the, the back door. Okay, so Gail had an inkling and so she, she done ran into him at the back door. And so she just trying to get some questions, you know, answered. And so Tatum tries to tell her, hey, we don't feel like talking right now. But Sydney's just like, nope, it's okay. I got time today. And so she's asking Gail about her book and she, she says, oh, it's coming along well, you know. Thanks for asking. I'll send you a copy. And y'all, after she said that, it must have been a knee-jerk reaction for Sydney because she done hauled off and popped this lady in the eye. <laughs> oh, Lord. She got to looking like the uh, the little... <laughs> the little mascot for Target. <laughs> the little dog with the spot around his <laughs> She popped her good, y'all. So, back at Tatum's house, Tatum is, like, reenacting the whole scene all over again. Just hyping her up, being the, the bestie that we all need, right? Sid, super bitch, bam, you know, <laughs> all of that, right? And so, Tatum ends up asking her, do you think that Billy really did it? And she was like, Tatum, he was there. <laughs> and so, while they're having that whole conversation, um, Tatum... Tatum's mom comes in and is like, hey, Sydney, you got a phone call. So Sydney goes to answer it, and I, I don't know who she's thinking it is. Maybe it might be her dad or something. But no, honey, it is Ghostface. And he's just like, basically, you got the wrong guy. And so she gets upset, and she's, how did you get this number? Da -da -da -da. All that. Dewey done ran out of his room in his drawers with this gun. <laughs> All right, whatever whatever gets the job done okay so my question is how did ghostface get tatum's number like is he literally like going through the phone book trying to call everybody with the same last name and hoping that he gets tatum's house <laughs> or does 
he have some closer connection questions right so it's the next morning and might i say i love their theme music um this particular song is played in most of the earlier movies um it's not played in the last few screen movies i don't think at least i haven't heard it but i love it so anyway sydney tatum and their her mom is sitting down there eating breakfast and they're looking at the morning news and they see cotton weary on the screen and they're just like yeah the key witness uh sydney prescott basically like gave whatever evidence they needed to to put him away for good so boom there you go she was the key witness and now cotton is trying to appeal his death sentence and so just then dewey comes in and he's just like hey i just received some news i'm not sure if it's good or bad but billy was released from jail because his phone records hold up okay he wasn't in the area for casey everything checked out and so they're gonna keep checking <clears throat> they're gonna keep checking phone records to see if anybody else's phone records cross reference between sydney's and casey's so somebody's still out there on the loose for now so Sid goes back to school and is instantly the star of all the school gossip. So she ends up seeing Gail and Gail's like, oh, wait, mm -mm. let me call my lawyer. I got him on speed dial. And she's just like, no, I just want to talk. You know, I just want to talk. And so she goes over there and she talks to Gail and she's basically trying to like get information out of her to see how Cotton is doing. Like, does she think that he's still in that he's innocent? And so she asks. She asked Gail, has um, Cotton's story changed? And she's like, nope, not one word. And so Sydney insists <clears throat> that Cotton was the one that raped and murdered his her mom. But Gail thinks that someone else framed him. And so Sydney doesn't know what to believe at this point. It's too much for any high schooler to be processing. Like, can I just pass to the 11th grade? I don't know how old Sydney is, but I'm going to say that she might be in the 10th or the 11th grade. Can I just pass to the next grade so I can get the hell up out of here? <laughs> like, high school is already hard enough dealing with other high schoolers, but to deal with, like, a murder potentially, like, it's too much. So, she goes into the school, and y'all, when I tell you they are in full force with acting the damn donkey in that school, we see kids running up and down the hallways with the ghost face mask. And then Tatum is with Stu, and Stu is making all these stupid-ass comments. Like, it's just foolishness. And so they're having a field day with these murders. So while in the hallway, um, Sydney actually runs into Billy. And she's just like, hey, I just want to apologize because they told me that your phone records were good and then while you were in jail ghostface actually called me and he was like see i told you you know like i didn't do it matter of fact they think that i was the one that scared him off when he tried to attack you see i told you i didn't do it so billy actually goes to touch her as they're having this conversation but she pulls back it's just a knee-jerk reaction and he tells her you know hey things just haven't been the same between us since your mom passed away last year Y'all, he didn't say it like that. He actually said it a lot harsher. But that was such a dick statement. Of course, she needs time to grieve her mom. Like, she needs time to heal from that. Like, the whole audacity of him. And then, he had the nerve to compare his mom leaving 
their family to Sid's mom actually being dead. And she was like, no, fool. Your mama left because your daddy was out here thotting around and she found out about it. Meanwhile, my mama is six feet deep, all right? I can't never see her again. Your mama can come back around whenever she wants to or, you know, whenever her and her, your daddy reconcile or whatever or she come pick you up on the weekends, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but I can't do that with my mama, all right? And so he's just like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, that was a shitty analogy, da-da-da. And, again, he tries to ap apologize for the horrible analogy, but he just wants his girlfriend back. And she's just like, I'm sorry if my traumatized life is such an inconvenience to you and your perfect existence. And then he, like, smacks himself on the forehead. Yeah, stupid, you should have had a V8. Such an idiot. So, meanwhile, in the principal's office, we see Principal Hembry, and he's in the middle of punishing these two students that were terrorizing the hallways, running around in this ghost face mask. And so, he ends up snatching the mask from one of the students and starts to use these sheer-like scissors to cut it up, right? And so, he's just like, you know, your lack of sensitivity after two of your fellow classmates just got slaughtered has basically cost y'all the rest of y'all school year. Y'all are both expelled. And so the one student is just like, oh, come on, Principal Hembry, that's not fair. And he was just like, you know, what would be fair right now is if I tore you from limb to limb, okay, and ripped your insides out and used them to hang your body from a tree, all right? And so as he's saying this, he's getting real close to both of these students with these scissors. I'm just like, geez, corporal punishment, don't take it too far, <laughs> all right? So... They're expelled. And so Sydney is in the bathroom and she's in one of the stalls and she overhears two girls talking about her and her mom, right? And so they're just like, well, you know, her mom got around. Like, why would she kill somebody? And she was like, well, you know, the other girl's just like, well, murder is in now. Therapy is basically out. Like, girls are so mean. And so they finally leave. And Sid comes out of the stall. And so, obviously, she's upset. And she's washing her hands and her face at the sink. And so, then she hears this noise. And so, she get real still. And then she could hear somebody whispering, right? So, she pulls the dumbest move that I've seen in a long time. And it's just like, excuse me, y'all. Is someone there? Silence. So then she kneels down and she starts checking her feet under the stalls, y'all, like on all fours. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you get up and you go home, you're going to have to wash your whole body, like in the clothes that you was in. Just put it on spin, get you a little bit of laundry detergent and just pour it all over yourself. Y'all will never catch me on all fours in no damn bathroom. Ugh. <laughs> like, gross. And so, after she doesn't find anybody, she gets up, and as she's, like, washing her hands and all of that, she starts to see, well, we see, these boots come down off of the toilet, and I wonder if you hear the creaking noise in the toilet, because you know them toilet seats are always loose. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Well, anyway, so you see the boots come down from the toilet seat and then you see the slicker come down so now we know for sure that somebody's in the bathroom and she does too because 
she tries to hurry up and beat him to the punch and so she runs towards the bathroom door y'all and he comes out and lunges for her but he misses and hits like the sink and the wall and because she does like this little crash bandicoot thing where she just like slides up under him <laughs> i wish y'all could see my movements over here she slides up under him and does like the crash bandicoot and so she manages to get away from ghostface as he tries to attack her in in the bathroom like you got to have some huge kahunas to try to kill somebody in school. So I just want to give a shout out to the black news anchor. That was trying to give her a little light. All right. So she's up there along with other reporters and they're trying to cover all of the melee that's going on in the school. Right. So obviously Gail is one of the reporters. So she's hovering. All right. She's trying to get her story too. And Dewey's just like, hey, you shouldn't be here. And so she turns on her charm and is just like, hey, are you really a police officer? Because you look, you don't look like a day over 12. And he's like, ma'am, I'm 25 years old. Boy, be quiet. Like, you still in your tidy whities at the house. We saw it. You 12. <laughs> and so she was like, you know, okay. If you are 12, that upper torso ain't telling me that you 12. And so... um, He's just like, yeah, you know, I, I work out even though the job doesn't require me to. Like, I, I work out, all right? And so Principal Henry comes over the intercom and is just like, hey, until further notice, classes are suspended because of all of the stuff going on in the town, obviously, all right? But curfew begins at 8 tonight. So whatever you're doing, make sure your butt is in the house by 8 o'clock. And so she's just like, Ooh, this ghost face sounds like, you know, it's becoming a serious problem. And so Gail also asked, do we have they been able to locate Sydney's dad? And he's just like, nope, not yet. They haven't been able to rule him out as a suspect either. And so he obviously realizes that he shouldn't have given her such vital information. And so he tries to excuse himself, right? And so she tries to keep the conversation going like, hey, don't, don't leave just yet, you know? And so he's just like, hey, I really got to go. But if I must say so myself, you look much prettier in person. And so they give each other the bedroom eyes and he walks into the school. And so, at, well, as he's walking into the school, she's just like, you know, did you watch my show? Because my demographics say that, you know, this certain age range up until 24 years old watching. He was like, yeah. I, I watched it when I was 24. I had a whole year being 24. So we we know that there's some chemistry there. So they're going to be a thing for sure. So school is out for now, y'all. And so Stu meets up with the girls and he announces that they're going to do this impromptu party at his house tonight. So something like the whole school is invited, actually. And so Tatum ends up convincing Sydney to go because she's super apprehensive, which I would be too. Why would we want to party and there's a killer on the loose? I digress. So, Principal Henry is still in his office, and now he's actually playing around with this ghost face mask, all right, that he confiscated from the two students earlier, when somebody starts to knock on the door. So, he hurries up and tries to snatch the mask off his face, and he goes to open up the door, right? So, when he opens up the door, there's nobody inside. So... When he goes to close the door back, he actually gives himself a scare because he's still got this ghost face mask in his hand. <laughs> Have y'all ever done that? Like if y'all open up uh, or if y'all turn on the lights real quick and you see a mirror, but you know, it's, it's just you. But anyway, y'all get what I'm trying to say. I've done that before. I know y'all have to at least one point in, in time. 
And so he closes the door back. He gives himself a scare. And so then not two seconds later, he gets another knock on the door. So he tries to hurry up and answer the door this time, right? Obviously, somebody is playing the best game of ninja knock ever. All right. <laughs> because where did they go that quick? Like it's a whole like office and when he opens up his door it's just like a whole bunch of space open space at that like there's really not anywhere to hide so where did they go <laughs> so he comes out of his office a little bit more and then he steps into the secretary space like isn't that against the rules like you're not supposed to go that far away from your original point anyway so he goes a little bit further off than what he should all right and this time when he goes out he goes out into like the actual hallway hallway so you got like the office the secretary office and then the hallway so he steps out into the hallway and he's talking shit right and the janitor is like what'd you call me <laughs> and when they put the camera on the on the janitor y'all he got this whole freddy krueger like look to himself right the the colors the hat, all of it. I, and I actually do think that it's Robert England. Um, I remember seeing like the biography of this movie and they did say that it was Robert England. <laughs> so when he goes out there talking shit and the janitor says what he says, Principal Hembry's not is like, not you, Fred. And so I don't know like if he was trying to be funny or if that's the janitor's real name. But either way, he didn't say nothing to Fred. So he goes back into his office and he gets this weird feeling because then he goes to the closet and he yanks the closet door open, but ain't nobody there. Uh, Y'all thought he was dead. Y'all thought he was a goner right there. He ain't dead yet. So then he closes that and then he tries to close his office door. But when he goes to do that, Ghostface comes from behind the the office door, right? And he turns around because he, he obviously hears a noise. So when he turns around, Ghostface scares him and then he stabs him. And the last scene that we see out of this whole part of it is Ghostface standing over him and we can see his shadow casting out of Principal Hembry's eyes. So Principal Hembry is transitioned over to the other side. So we see Tatum and Sydney, and they're having this whole discussion about Sydney's mom and her affair that she had with Cotton Weary and if Cotton could possibly be telling the truth. And Tatum is just like, I mean, your dad was out of town like a lot, like a lot, lot. Maybe your mom was just looking for some satisfaction. <laughs> she can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> I don't know if that's a song or not, but it sounds like it is. And so... Sydney is just like, you know, that's a rumor, all right? But Tatum is like, okay, well, there's smoke, there's fire. And so Tatum can only ignore what she hears for so long. Like, some, some out of that got to be right. So Sydney ends up actually coming to the conclusion, and she's just like, you know, if she's wrong about Cotton, then that means that the killer is still out there. And when I tell you, yeah, he's still out there, he's literally like listening and lurking in the bushes because they end up showing Ghostface running around <laughs> in the damn bushes, like just listening to them. Now, I don't know if he can hear that conversation or not, but he lurking, all right? He close by. So we see Randy and he's at work and 
back then he he was at your local blockbuster all right y'all i used to love fridays not because just because it was the weekend but because that was the day that you knew you was gonna go to blockbuster all right you knew you was gonna get you some pizza you was gonna rent you some movies in my case i was renting games from my nintendo 64 but then what's the days y'all young people don't know nothing about blockbuster y'all don't know nothing about it so anyway He's at work and Stu pops up on him and they start talking about all this stuff. So Stu is being a total dick to Randy, but he actually invites him to his party. So maybe he's not a dick after all. (laughs) So they end up having the conversation about Billy's innocence or his guilt. And they're just like, well, Stu is just like, how do we know that the dad didn't do it? And Billy is like, uh, not Billy. Randy's just like, no, the dad is just a red herring. Like, I'm on to Billy. Like, he's giving me psychotic vibes. I, I'm on to him, all right? And so Billy done snuck up behind Randy at this point. And so Billy's just like, how do we know you ain't the killer? And so Randy's like, I could see, you know, where you would think that I could possibly be the killer. I mean, I do know a plethora of things about scary movies. So I could see that. And so... They were just like, okay, well, if you were, what would be your motive? And this is so old, y'all. I know this movie old because Randy Holler out, the millennium would be my motive. Motives are incidental. It's the millennium. And so Randy got his good eye on Billy. We see you, Billy. All of us see you. So back in town, everybody's closing up shop it's like three o'clock in the afternoon like the sun is still fully out all right <laughs> but everybody's closing up because it's, it's they got an eight o'clock curfew but obviously don't nobody want money if you're closing up there early and so we see the girls and they're in the store and they're buying all of these uh party snacks for Stu's party and they're just talking you know having a little bit of girl chit chat and Sydney is just telling Tatum that she's thinking about trading in her v-card for a a spin on the merry-go-round of billy's ping (laughs) because she's been so hard on him and he's been so understanding although she accused him of being a murderer and it turns out that he's not so she thinks you know as an i'm sorry gift she's just gonna give him her body and tatum is just like billy nor his ping deserve you all right I love Tatum. <laughs> Besides the fact that she was late that one night and Sydney almost lost her life. Tatum being real right now. And so as they're having this conversation, Ghostface is stalking them in the store. He's literally like the next out over. You guys, why in the world would I let somebody walk in my store with that damn costume on? Why? Would you let somebody walk in your store with their costume on? Uh-uh. Because you you think you either finna get robbed or somebody finna get murdered. I wouldn't let nobody walk in my store like that. But whatever. He's always around somewhere lurking. So while they're shopping, Dewey actually heads over to the police station. And he's got this ice cream cone in his hand while he's talking to the sheriff. Now, he wants somebody to take him seriously, but he's steady mo licking this ice cream. So I don't understand. (laughs) Help me understand, Dewey. So... The sheriff ends up telling Dewey that they have a hit on the phone records and that the phone records actually come back to Neil Prescott, y'all. That's Sydney's dad. 
And do we ask a really good question, but it actually goes unanswered. And the question was, well, do we think that the phone could have been cloned? But again, it never gets answered. But the sheriff has even juicier news because tomorrow is actually the anniversary of Sid's mom's death. So he wants to keep the roadblocks and the random check stops out for tonight. And if they don't find anything by in the morning, then they're going to start knocking on people's doors. Is that legal? Can you do that for an entire town? I mean, I guess people have the right to say no, but that would make you look super suspicious. But can they, again, can they do it? Is it legal? Whatever. So Gail and cameraman Kenny are trying to follow the leads on the story, and those leads actually take them over to Stu's house where there's a party in full effect. So we see Dewey, and he's dropping Sydney and Tatum off, and Stu's house is massive. Like, I thought Sydney's house was big. Stu's house is big, big. He's got kids everywhere, in the fields, in his front yard, in his backyard, in his backyard, excuse me, y'all, in his house. Like, he got kids everywhere. So... They go in, and while they're in there, Gail actually runs into Dewey, and they're just basically trying to one-up each other as to why one of them is there versus the other. And so Dewey ends up winning and is just using his badge as an excuse. And so he's like, okay, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go make my rounds now. I'm just trying to make sure all the girls are okay. You know, everybody's okay. There's no chaos going on here. There's no killing going on here make my rounds so as he tries to go do that gail is just like well can i accompany you and so i swear she's forever (laughs) the manipulator okay and so he says yes and when she goes to grab her coat she actually grabs a camcorder do we we just call it a cam recorder camcorder camera camcorder we're gonna roll with camcorder all right and she tucks it up under her coat so we know she's going to plant that somewhere in the house. So back in the party, like I said, his kid's hanging everywhere, all right, when the doorbell rings. And so Stu goes to answer it. And when he goes to answer, he's just like, hey, Tatum, can you grab me some beers out the fridge in the garage while he's gone? So when he comes back, he's just like, hey, you guys, that chick from Top Story is here. And so her and Dewey come in and everybody's just, I love you, Gail. I'm such a big fan, Gail. And so Tatum immediately goes to shut all this shit down because she don't like Gail. And so she was just like, Dewey, like, what the hell? But honey, Dewey don't care. He on cloud nine because he got this, he got this pretty lady on his arm. He could care less what Tatum think right now. And so, um, Sydney ends up catching up to Dewey. And it's just like, hey, have you gotten any updates? So she's asking, has, um, I'm sorry, y'all. So she's asking, has she seen Dewey? Has Dewey heard anything about her dad? And he's just trying to give her an update saying, no, they haven't heard anything. And so while she's getting an update about her dad, we see Gail 
sliding this daggone camcorder on top of the VCR. So this is where she's going to plant it. So Tatum finally goes to go grab some more beers out of the fridge in the garage. And as she does, we see the garage door creak shut, right? So she's getting ready to close the fridge when some random lawn stuff scares her. It scares me. It scares the shit out of both of us, right? So she's headed back up and she tries the door, but the door is locked. Then the lights go out. So she pushes the button for the garage door to come up. That way she can go out that way. But when she gets close to it, it like pauses. So she's got to try to bend down up under it. But then when she does that, the garage door starts to close. So then when she turns around, she sees Ghostface. And of course, Ghostface is operating the garage door. So she goes over to him and it's just like, oh, are you Randy? And he's like, nope. He shakes his head, no. And so she casually asks him, you know, hey, you want to play Psycho Killer? And he shakes his head, yes. And so, y'all, she actually play along with this man. I'm telling y'all, I would have did a stop, drop, and roll so quick, like the beers wouldn't have even been able to break on the ground before I was out that garage. Do you hear me? Like, ain't no way I'm finna play Psycho Killer. Like, no, not. So she gets close enough to him and um, he brings her back to reality real quick because he pulls his knife out on her and he slices her arm a little bit. And so she tries to get out the garage door and she's got like half of her, half of her torso, half of her torso through the damn doggy door, y'all. Not even the garage. She tried to squeeze into the doggy door she can't get out she's stuck so as she's trying to squeeze through this little bitty ass doggy door he goes to go start letting the garage door up now correct me if i'm wrong or maybe this is just for movie purposes but i thought like once you got close to a garage door like the garage door would sense that somebody's coming and it would let the garage door up or maybe that's newer ones. I don't know. But I thought that once you got close to it or you stuck your hand up under it or your foot or whatever, it was sensitive and then it would go back up. This didn't work in that instance, okay? So she's halfway through. He starts letting the garage door up and it finally stops after it jams enough to kill her. So she done ended up on a thousand ways to die. Jammed. That's her title. Sorry to speak ill of the dead. Sorry, Tatum, but that's your title. Like, what made you think that you were going to get through the document? <laughs> and so, that's the end of that. And Ghostface manages to sneak back into the party unnoticed. So, back upstairs, people are starting to leave because the party is dying down. Sid is trying to find Tatum, but she can't. And Stu basically isn't concerned enough to go check on her. Hmm. Yeah. So, coincidentally... Billy pops up and suggests that her and um him and Sydney have a conversation. And so Stu is like, yeah, you know, you guys could use my parents' bedroom and talk and, you know, do whatever. Did y'all ever mess around in y'all parents' bedrooms when y'all were younger? <laughs> did you? If you did, I hope you washed the sheets. Okay. So anyway back to the movie so 
when they're walking upstairs, Randy catches a glimpse of them, and he's just like, damn, there go my hopes, like, my hopes dash with Sydney. And Stu's looking at him like, fool, you never had a chance in the first place. So we see Gail, and Gail is heading back over to the van, and Kenny informs her that, hey, the camera that you stuck on top of the VCR, it's got a 30-second delay. But good job, because you were actually able to sneak it in, and nobody notices. And so at this point, she's just like, oh, I'm so great. I just wonder what type of awards I'm going to win like off of this. This is incredible journalism. Sneaking one-on-one. So Bill and Sid are upstairs. And I must say that for Stu's house to be that daggone big, y'all, his parents' bed is like hella small. Like it reminds me of like my twin bed in college or when I was seven or eight years old with the canopy on it. (laughs) That's all they was missing was the canopy, y'all. <laughs> they bed was so small. So, I digress. So, they're apologizing to each other for the part that they played um, in their recent speed bump in their relationship status, right? So, Sydney says that she can't lie to herself anymore about who her mom was and that she's really just afraid that she'll turn out like her, okay? And so, Billy ends up making some stupid analogy in it. Apparently, it must have been cool in high school because just like that, Sydney is convinced that she's going to give up her V-card tonight to take a turn on Billy's peen go round. Oh, Sydney. Good girl gone bad. So meanwhile, downstairs, some late stairs are watching Halloween with Randy. This is the OG Halloween. And... He starts to give them the rules of surviving a horror movie. Rule number one, no sex. Boo. All right, everybody says boo. No sex. No, you can't have sex, all right? (laughs) Rule number two, you can't drink or do drugs. Boo. It's no drinking. I don't do drugs, y'all. But no drinking, that's definitely a boo. All right, I'm not going to make it. Rule number three, never, ever say, I'll be right back. And so Stu is just like, hey, you want something out of the fridge and in the kitchen? And he's like, yeah, sure, go give me a beer. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll be right back. And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> and Randy is just like, okay, great. When we find you in there chopped up like, you know, some damn swordfish or whatever, then don't say anything, all right, because I warned you. And so Gail and Kenny are in the van and they're spying on all the kids. And then Dewey comes and tells them that the sheriff just actually radioed him that they have found a car in a ditch that's not too far away from where they are now. And he asks her, would she like to go with him? And she is like, well, of course I would love to go. So off down the yellow brick road they go to go search for this car that's in the ditch. So as more people are leaving, they're asking about Tatum and Stu's playing it off really well and it's just like oh she's probably pissed at me and she bailed okay yeah maybe if it was just her but she came with Sydney like she wouldn't leave her best friend at least I hope she wouldn't so meanwhile back upstairs Sydney and Billy are making out and Randy and the guys are downstairs watching Halloween and I just thought that was really cool how they shot the scene from one scream queen to another scream queen like I thought that was really cool and then they they're both doing like some early porn, you know, where they do like the tit shot, but they don't show um, sis tits, whatever. Anyway, 
I just thought that was cool how they did one scream queen to another scream queen. Um, but now she's broken one of the cardinal rules. So we don't know if she's going to make it out of this thing alive or not. So Randy is still watching the movie. When he gets a phone call about Principal Henry being killed and strung up on the goalpost of school. And so the rest of the kids are like, okay, cool. Like, let's go see what's going on. Let's go. Let's go. See. They're just being really morbid about it. So they're going to go see Principal Henry. Rest his soul. So Gail is still trying to throw that news anchor ass on Dewey, y'all. <laughs> when the, the kids that want to see Principal Henry comes speeding down the street, all right? They almost hit both of them, and they end up falling in the ditch. And so he ends up landing on top of her, and they share this cute little moment, all right? We think that they're finna get ready to kiss. And then Gail looks over and is just like, hey, is that what you're looking for? They found Sydney's dad's car in the ditch. What is he doing back in town? Like, wasn't he supposed to be at an expo, or did he ever leave? So Sid and Billy are getting redressed, and she asks them, like, hey, who'd you call when you were in jail? Because I know you only get the one phone call, so who'd you call? And he was like, oh, I tried to call my dad, but Sydney catches him in the lines just like, oh, no, 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 mm -mm. I saw Sheriff Burke call your dad. I saw him do that. And so Billy is like, well, maybe you did. But when I tried to call him initially, I didn't get no reply. And so he was like, you still don't think it was me, do you? And so she was just like, no, I don't think it was you. But I thought I think it would be a good idea for you, you know, to throw me off that way to make it seem like you're innocent, you know, using your one phone, to, your one phone call to call me. And so he stands up and he's like, you know, what do I need to prove to you? What do I need to do to prove to you that I'm not the killer? And so apparently the proper answer would be to die at this point because that's when Ghostface sneaks up behind him and surprises him and stabs him. And he does like this really self-opery death, like <laughs> reaches his hand out to see it. And he collapses on the bed. Time for Ghostface and Sydney to have their climactic chasing, right? So he's chasing her all throughout the house. He's cutting her off at all types of uh, turns in the house. And so she manages to lock herself in the attic upstairs. And so she finds the window on the other side of the attic and she goes out onto the ledge, right? So Ghostface is able to finally get in, but he misses her and she drops down to on top of like this little tarp covering. And it's covering uh, like this little boat, the speedboat thing or whatever. So she quickly recovers and rolls off of the tarp. But when she rolls off, she looks up to the window and Ghostface is no longer there. He's gone, right? But when she looks down like a little bit, she sees Tatum. Y'all, she see her best friend dead hanging from the garage door. Oh, I feel so bad for her. It's just one thing after another for her. <laughs> And so, back in the house, Randy is downstairs all by his lonesome, and he's still looking at this daggone Halloween movie. Clearly, he's drunk and inebriated, right? So, then Ghostface starts walking in, and Jamie, not Jamie, Lord, Randy sits up, and he's just like, Jamie, watch out. Like, the killer's behind you. Look behind you. He's right there. And that's what we all yelling to him at the same damn time. <laughs> And so just when we think Randy is a goner, Ghostface hears Sydney scream. And so he goes to make a mad dash for her, right? So Randy's life is temporarily spared. So 
Sydney runs to Gail's van to get help from Kenny, and he's looking at the cameras, right? And so they close the door, and they see Ghostface creeping up behind Randy. Now, mind you, they're on a 30-second delay, all right? And so they go to try to rescue him, but then Kenny's like, oh, shoot, the 30-second delay. And just when it, it dawns on him, Ghostface done slashed his throat. It's too late. So now he bleeding out. Poor Kenny. <sighs> Dying knowing that he was just a cameraman for Gail Weathers. Mm, mm, mm. And so while Kenny is getting his throat slashed, honey, uh, Sydney done ran out the other side of the van and done made a, a run for Stu's backyard. So Gail and Dewey hear her cries, right? And um, they come running, of course. And so once they get back to the house, he tells her to radio for backup. And so he's going to go inside to investigate what all the commotion is about. So he runs inside the house and he hears Jamie screaming on the movie. Meanwhile, Gil runs into the van to use Kenny's cell phone, but she can't find Kenny anywhere. Where is he? And so she looks down on the side of the car and she sees all this blood pooling on the footstool, right? So she manages to find the phone and she dials 911. But as she's doing that, Randy pops up and the window is down, y'all. Randy pops up on the side of the window and she does what anybody else would do. And she just starts hitting him over the head with the damn cell phone. I would do the same thing, all right? So she's, she's definitely in the right. But Randy definitely has some type of concussion at this point, all right? And so then she goes to start the car because she's still scared. And there's all this blood on the front of the windshield. So she starts to drive. And then I think she must have hit the brakes or something. Because as soon as she does that, Kenny's body comes down from the top of the damn, uh, from the top of the van. And he's looking dead at her. And so she starts driving. And she's like, Kenny, I'm so sorry. But get off my effing windshield. And his body hits the fence. He can't get no respect in life nor death. Boy, I tell you. It's just a shame how he went out, y'all. So then as she's trying to get away in this van, she barely misses hitting Sid. And so she swerves off the, the side of the road and hits a tree. So now we don't know if Gail is still dead or alive, you know, whatever. But she done hit this tree. So Sydney goes looking for Dewey and she goes back up to Stu's house. So she sees Dewey coming out the front door, but he starts stumbling, right, and staggering, and he finally falls onto the front porch. And behind him comes Ghostface. And so he pulls the damn knife out of Dewey's back, like real callous-like, and starts to, starts to come for Sydney. So Sydney gets into the van, and she tries to, like, lock the doors. So then she looks out, y'all, and Ghostface has the keys. You big dummy. <laughs> and so he's basically just like taunting her. And as soon as she locks the locks the door, it's unlocked again. But it's in a different, it's at a different door. So now she's trying to do all this, right? And keep up with the doors being unlocked. But as she's doing that, the trunk is coming open. And so she gets the radio walkie and is calling for help and she shouts out Stu's address do y'all know y'all best friend's address like that well Stu ain't even her best friend like he's just a friend do y'all know y'all friend's address is like that because I don't but she yells out Stu's address and as she's doing that 
Ghostface comes up behind her and like tries to, to sneak her and but she kicks him in the face or something like that and she manages to get away again. So as soon as she gets out of the car, she hurries up and turns around and Ghostface done got gone real quick, y'all. Like in the wind gone. So she goes back to Stu's house where well, she tries to run back into Stu's house and here comes Stu running up and well, here comes Randy first. And Randy's like, Sydney, we got to go. We got to go. I just found Tatum and she's dead. And he's not alone because here comes Stu. And Stu's like, yes, Sydney, we got to go. Like, don't trust anything that he's saying. He killed Tatum, this, that, and the third. Really? Okay. So Sydney is like, forget this. I don't know who lying, but screw both of y'all. And so she closes the door on both of them. But then here comes Billy staggering from the parents' room. I thought he was dead. Clearly he's not. So he persuades Sydney to give him the gun. And she does. And he opens the door. And Randy comes in and is just like, oh. And they close the door on Stu. And Randy is like, yeah, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for saving me, man. He's crazy. And so this is where Billy flips, y'all. And just like, you know. We all go a little mad sometimes. And he shoots Randy. Ugh. And so Sid sees this and she's like, oh shit, I just gave it up to a psycho. <laughs> she turned around and look at him, all betrayed. You know, it's, it's betrayal all in her face as he's licking this corn syrup off his finger. And so, Sid comes, like, Stu comes in the house some type of way. And Sid runs to him for refuge. And he pulls out the daggone voice disguiser. Y'all, they in cahoots. Billy and Stu, they the killers. And so, Sydney is just like, you'll never get away with this. And Billy is just like, why not? We've done it before. They set up Cotton Weary. So... Sydney's just like, why would you do this? Like, why would you do this to me, Billy? And he's just like, hey, your mom is the reason why my mom left my dad. And so Stu is just like, yeah, mom. Uh, yeah, Sydney. Like, let's face it. Your mom was no Sharon Stone. And since Sid broke one of the cardinal rules, like I said earlier, y'all, she got to die. So Stu brings her dad in. And the plan is to actually kill Sid, injure themselves, meaning Stu and Billy, and then pin it all on her dad because it's the, now the anniversary of Sid's mother's death. And it drove him insane, right? So in order for this to work and look real, Stu and Billy have come up with the genius idea to stab each other. But don't go too deep. Go just a little bit below the surface and not too close to any vital organs, right? So Stu's up first. Okay, give me what you got, baby. So... Billy stabs him, and he goes a little bit too deep, but it's okay. They're going to forge ahead with the plan, right? Now it's Billy's turn, and he reminds Stu, all right, don't forget about the locations, no vital organs, all right? But Stu is in vengeance mode, right? So he he stabs Billy, and it's like, damn it, Stu! You know, <laughs> that hurt! <laughs> Ow, you poked me a little bit too hard. <laughs> 
So obviously Sydney is looking at them like, oh my God, they're freaking psychos. And so it's Billy's turn again to stab Stu and Billy just start going in on him. He stabs him multiple times. And so Stu's just like, oh my God, Billy, like you hurt me so bad. I think I'm actually dying over here. And so he's like coughing up blood and stuff. So Stu goes to find the gun and gets his dad. And, um, but they have a problem. The gun is missing. Well, where did it go? Right here, MFers. Gail has the gun now, y'all. She is finna save the freaking day. And so she goes to try to fire it, but y'all, the damn safety is on. So Billy done grabbed the gun from her and knocked her out with it. So what day is she gonna save now? Not a one. Out of 365 days, she ain't finna save not a one. So... He's going up and he's getting ready to go shoot Gail when Stu tells them they have a bigger problem. Sydney's went missing now. And so Billy goes looking for her and he starts tearing up the house. Where are you, bitch? Da, 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 this, that, and the third. And so she calls them using the voice disguiser thing. And Billy is incensed. All right. And so he gives the phone to Stu while he's trying to find her. And, um, She's like, oh, Stu, Stu, what's your motive? And so he tells Sid that peer pressure was his motive. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. He looks like he would be easily influenced. And so he's just like, Sydney, did you really call the cops? And she was like, you bet your sorry ass I did. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, my parents are going to be so mad at me. Um, Sorry. You done went on a whole killing spree. And now Billy over here is knocking all your mama's good fine china down. Like just throwing all the throw pillows everywhere. She gonna be pissed. Like what? This was one hell of a day, Stu. Look what you done did. <laughs> so Billy's still looking for her. And she, um, she actually ends up bursting out of the closet. And she stabs him with the umbrella, y'all. So then Stu comes around the corner and tries to tackle her so now they're fighting in the house right and so he's finally able to pin her down and he's just like i've always had a thing for you Sid." and she's like not today bitch and she bites him right and she smashes him over the head with the vase and so then she kills she says something like fuck off or whatever and then she smashes the tv on his head which for for movie purposes the screen breaks and it busts open and Stu is electrocuted by the broken TV. <laughs> All right. So then Randy comes too and he tries to he he actually startles see it. He scares it to death. And so he's just like, "Man, I thought I was a goner, right?" <laughs> or whatever. And so then Billy comes and they fight and um billy ends up knocking randy out and so then he lunges for sid again and he manages to pin her pin her down and so he starts choking her right y'all she's smart she ends up sticking her finger in his stab wound and so he's like ah you know he raises up a little bit and it's apparently enough for gail to shoot him with the safety off this time gail weathers to the rescue after all y'all <laughs> she done saved the day and so they go to check in and see if Billy is actually really dead. And Randy's just like, hey, y'all, be careful because this is about the same time that the killer usually comes back. 
And so he comes back to life and it's just like, ah, you know, and he does it real quick, but Sydney quickly shoots him again. And his life Wi-Fi is forever disconnected. They can forget the Wi-Fi connection altogether. And so her dad actually gives them the last scare of the movie when he burst out of the closet. Y'all forgot about me. Don't forget about me. Shit. <laughs> so the nightmare is finally over, y'all. Thank God. Sydney, Randy, Dewey, Gail, they made it through the movie to see the sequel. Because you gotta have a sequel, right? <laughs> That's the end of the movie. So we see Gail, and she's gonna give her story, honey. She's got a first account of all of the horrors that just took place. And y'all, she ain't shit because she didn't even give Kenny, the cameraman, no shout out. He done died for no reason. Trying to be your cameraman. You ain't give that man a shout out on the air? You trash, Gail. That's the end of the movie, y'all. <laughs> How'd y'all like the review? I hope y'all liked it. Like I said, I'm going to try to get back on track now. Oh, my God. It's been so busy these last two weeks. Um, So, charge it to my head and not my heart, y'all. I be trying, but I just be so tired. <laughs> um, but please just keep listening to me. Please tell all your people that you love, that you hate you. Aunties, uncles, baby daddies, baby mamas, besties, boyfriends, husbands um wives all that good stuff tell them all about me and i can't i don't have apple so i can't see what's going on on there as far as reviews or rates but can y'all please just rate me on whatever y'all are listening to me on if that's an option so people can come find your girl and love me like y'all love me i love y'all i really do that's all i got for y'all so until we meet over the airwaves again, y'all, I apologize for my sniffles and all the interruptions that have been going on throughout this review, but I really hope you like it. There's so much more to come. You just got to stick stick around with me. Hold on. Just hold on. <laughs> I'm going to get it together. So until we meet over the airwaves again, I am Mo. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Shout out to all the new listeners. We've got all of these different countries like tuning in. So excited. Thank you guys for listening to little old me. I'm so grateful. But I hope y'all have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, and until we meet over the airwaves again, I am Mo. I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye.